The classic and well-known words that often open a fairy tale are Once Upon a Time. The story that follows has lessons to be learned, like respect and honor, conviction and courage. Welcome to In the Bullpen with Mark Dewey, sponsored by Developing Contenders Ministries. You're listening to the Fight Laugh Feast Network. Thank you for joining us. And look who's coming up. High fly ball into right field. She is gone. I have mentioned in past episodes of In the Bullpen that one of the aspects of the academic portion of our children's education includes listening to Hillsdale College lectures. They have a number of lecture series free online that are very good and we enjoy using them as a part of our academic education. Last week, we started a series, a nine lecture series, titled Classic Children's Literature. And it covers books like Beauty and the Beast, Alice's Adventures in Wonderland, the works of A.A. Milne and Beatrix Potter. This morning, we listened to a lecture on Aesop's Fables. And there's a written paragraph below the audio-video portion of the lecture that we read prior to listening to the lecture. The final line of that paragraph reads this way. These stories provide an education in prudence as they expose the folly of wishful thinking and demonstrate how the real world works. From my perspective, we are knee-deep, if not neck-deep, in the folly of wishful thinking. And we need much more prudence and many more accurate demonstrations of how the real world, God's world, works. So this series has been very enjoyable for me and has also got me thinking about the common opening line, once upon a time. Now fairy tales are not stories of events that actually took place in time and space history, but they can be extremely valuable for our lives. Valuable even in the game of baseball. We can learn from the once upon a time in fairy tale stories to better understand once upon a time in history. So for instance, once upon a time, most of our government leaders, then referred to as statesmen, would collectively say things like this. Our Constitution was made only for a moral and religious people. It is wholly inadequate to the government of any other. Those, of course, the words of John Adams. Once upon a time, far more church leaders would publicly declare to Christians, thinking in unbiblical ways, what's wrong with you people? As Dr. Sproul did. Once upon a time, it would be common Common to hear ballplayers, coaches, managers, both in the clubhouse and in the dugout, reminding everybody, don't ever think this game is about you. And you've heard me play that audio and quote that quote from Robin Yount many times. In our time, though fewer in number and frequency, even though it's much more urgently needed, we still have some church leaders and baseball personnel reminding us of the things that Dr. Sproul and Robin Yount said. Our government leaders, now better called politicians, 
Not so much. But we would be well served to do many things as we did once upon a time. Lord willing, there is a young man who will be telling his children and his grandchildren a real-life story. And he may say to them, Once upon a time, children, I played 13 years of professional baseball and never got a major league at bat. I finally did, and it was a day I will never forget. Introducing Drew Maggi. Number 39, Drew Maggi will pinch hit for Andrew McCutcheon, making his major league debut. greeting. Oh, I love this game. Jeff Nelson, home plate umpire, stepping out, giving him a moment. Cranks one. <laughs> Let him go foul. <laughs> He's waited his whole life for this. You bet he's swinging. The oldest player to make his major league debut, the position player, Jeff Nelson, had to call a strike on him because he wasn't ready to hit with eight on the clock. And now it's 0 2. Drafted by the Pirates in 2010. In the 15th round, he came up with Garrett Cole and Jamison Tyone. Just to give you an idea. Almost 4,500 plate appearances in the minor leagues before. Number one tonight. Maggi strikes out. He's a big leaguer forever. Now, that was a very long audio clip. I think significantly longer than any I've ever played. But you needed to hear that if you haven't already. And if you did, you needed to hear it again. And you need to watch it as well. But I chose this clip, and I chose it even over another that I'll get to in a minute, because of all that was in it. He was pinch hitting for Andrew McCutcheon. So here's a man getting his first Major League at-bat for the Pittsburgh Pirates, pinch hitting for one of the great Pirates of all time, Andrew McCutcheon. And the game's in Pittsburgh. And his parents were there, and I believe his brothers were there also. And then you heard, due to the 2023 rules, that he had an automatic strike called to bring the count to 0-2. 
And after that, the fans in Pittsburgh began chanting his name. He worked the count to one and two, and then he struck out on a ball out of the zone, a back foot slider. But I hope you didn't miss two comments made by the broadcasters. The first one, I love this game. And the last, very at the very end of the audio clip, he's a big leaguer forever. He is indeed. And he went down hacking. He did not take a strike. He got there and he said, I'm going after it. If it's in the zone, I'm swinging. Now, I've been helping my youngest son's baseball team a little bit. And uh, it is made up of 10 and 11-year-olds. And my sole goal, really, for this team is to try to get these young boys to swing. If it's in the zone, swing. Because so many are passive. I loved to see Drew Maggi swinging the bat. So that was his first Major League at-bat. That was on Wednesday. He struck out. He got his first Major League start on Thursday, but went 0 for 3. On Friday, he was optioned back to A to Altoona. But the Pirates got rained out on Friday. They had a doubleheader on Saturday, and Maggi was kept there as the 27th man. And then in Game 2 on Saturday, he recorded his first ever Major League hit, and on that hit, also an RBI. And that's worth listening to as well, but I chose the longer clip of his Major League first Major League at-bat. He also picked up a second hit in that game. And so, as he heads back to Altoona, he is currently a lifetime 333 hitter in Major League Baseball. There is another once upon a time story involving the Pittsburgh Pirates. This story, again, happened in time and space, but it has happened only one time, once and one time only in Major League Baseball history. That was the 1960 World Series, and the Pittsburgh Pirates defeated the highly favored New York Yankees in that 1960 World Series. And that was Bill Mazeroski who hit the walk-off home run to win the World Series, the first and only time in World Series history that somebody has hit a walk-off in Game 7. 
As you heard, it gave the Pirates a 10-9 win in that game, and of course, a 4-3 win in the series. It was one of the great underdog stories of the century in Major League Baseball. Now, last week, we learned that one of the key players on that team, Dick Grote, who was an NL MVP and an eight-time All-Star, died. He died at the age of 92. And he was a great athlete, a two-sport star at Duke. And he even played one season in the NBA before he joined the Army and then had his Major League Baseball career. We also learned last week that longtime Cardinal player and broadcaster Mike Shannon passed away. Speaking of the 1960 Pittsburgh Pirates, several years ago, I read a book about that team. I was actually coaching in Washington, Pennsylvania, which is less than an hour down the road from Pittsburgh. The name of the book is Kiss It Goodbye. The subtitle, The Mystery, The Mormon, and The Moral of the 1960 Pittsburgh Pirates. And it's written by John Moody. And the title, Kiss It Goodbye, comes from the longtime Pirates broadcaster's famous call, Bob Prince, who would say, and kiss it goodbye. He was the voice of the Pirates for 28 years, from 1948 to 1975. Now, Bill Mazeroski, who hit that home run we just heard, says this about the book. Kiss it goodbye is as close as you can get to being in the Pirate dugout with Murtaugh, Clemente, Vern Law, and the rest of that great team. One review says this about the book. Recalling a distant time in American sports, Kiss It Goodbye contains a universal theme. A son's affection for his father and the bond that was forged between them because of their love for baseball. It is a book that will be welcomed by fathers, sons, and baseball fans of every age. Well, once upon a time, no doubt that would be true. But is it today? Is that what the game is about today? Would fans of every age and generation appreciate a book like this? Now, you heard the subtitle. I'll give you a few explanations. The Mormon he was referring to was Vernon Law. The mystery involved how Vernon Law or Vern Law got hurt in the celebration when the Pirates won that 1960 World Series, and it hindered his career for years afterwards. Vern Law in 1960 was 20-9 on the mound with 18 complete games and won the NL Cy Young. Now, I remember, again, I read this book about a dozen years ago or so, that I thoroughly enjoyed the book. And then I went to find it on my bookshelf, and I can't figure out where it is. But I do vividly recall a line from it. And I can accurately quote the line because I wrote it down. Here's one of the lines in the book, Kiss it goodbye. A player's life was not just to play, but to be a man, a good man. And then, at game time, to go out and win. Once upon a time, it was expected that a Major League Baseball player's life wasn't only about the game of baseball. It included being a man, a good man. And then, you go out and play the game to win. Once upon a time, it was about others, your family, your teammates, the fans, the community, and for many, the glory of God. Once upon a time, you were expected to act like a man, to be professional as a Major League Baseball player. Now, 
It appears to me, looking from the outside in, it's more like a college frat party. Nobody wants to grow up. Nobody wants to be a man. Nobody wants to be a professional, or at least the definition of professional has changed drastically. Once upon a time, if a Major League Baseball player did something stupid, disrespectful to the game or to another player in the game, it would be called Bush League, and it would be addressed. Now it's called, I don't know, I guess it's called building my brand. Once upon a time, boys and men playing the best game in the world would be constantly taught and reminded that you play the game the right way, that you win with class, you lose with class. Just this past week, I saw two videos, one of a high school game, one of a college game, in which brawls broke out, one after the game, one during the game. In the high school game, after the game, as the teams were walking through and shaking hands, somebody on the winning team brought out a broom, and that resulted in a brawl. The college game I saw was North Carolina and Virginia Tech, and the hitter from Virginia Tech, who hit a home run, pimped it going around the bases. And when he crossed home plate, the catcher for North Carolina was not too pleased and started getting in his face. This resulted in a brawl between those two teams. Now here's the thing. This is going to continue. And it is going to result in injury. Maybe serious injury. And Lord forbid, maybe death. And if you think I'm taking this too far, think again. Understand this. If self-restraint is mocked, or the lack of self-restraint is encouraged in things like how we celebrate our home runs, how we celebrate it when we strike out another batter, when we don't care about displays of self-adulation on the field and look at me, look at me, how can we possibly expect self-control in matters of violence? It is all going to come to a very bad end if we don't get back to the once upon a time. It might be a good idea for young and old, players all the way to the front office, to ownership, to read more fairy tales and to learn the lessons that these fairy tales teach. Now, one of the lectures was by Daniel Copeland, and we watched this last week, and it was on the book The Snow Queen by Hans Christian Andersen. And as Daniel Copeland works through the books, or the book, He notes this. It says, terror seized him. And then notice the dichotomy here. He says, he tried to say the Lord's Prayer. That's a connection to his previous life with Gerda and the grandmother who used to say the Lord's Prayer frequently. This is a symbol of faith um, in that environment at home. He tried to say the Lord's Prayer, but all he could remember was the multiplication table. Do you see the contrast there between a life of faith and this life of pure rational thought? We need to see that dichotomy. Faith contrasted with pure rational thought. The multiplication table reigns supreme today. We ask questions like, what do data and analytics tell us? How far can he hit the ball? How hard can he throw the ball? What is this man's war? But pure, rational thought not only makes for a bad story, it makes for a bad game. Now I must fly off to warm lands, said the Snow Queen. Off she flew, 
and Kay was left quite alone in the vast, empty hall, gazing at the pieces of ice and thinking, thinking, until his head seemed to crack. We might call this uh, paralysis through analysis. Thinking, thinking, until his head seemed to crack. I believe that is going on in spades. And he uses a phrase, paralysis through analysis, which slightly different, but it nonetheless has been a phrase that's been used in baseball since at least 1987 professionally when I got there. Paralysis by analysis. The snow queens that are in the game of baseball today often have the same result on those who play the game today. So what is Anderson trying to do here? What's his point? Well, he's dealing with a very important, but a very challenging topic. What he's saying in this story is that reason is not evil, and actually it can be quite useful, as long as we don't expect too much of it. And we don't expect it to do things that it's not capable of actually doing. Reason will only work if it operates in a broader understanding of reality, one that includes faith um, in addition to reason. Data and analytics are not evil. And I will argue they can be quite useful. As I've said, and I will continue to say until somebody demonstrates that I'm wrong, data and analytics are valuable, but they are not infallible. They are valuable, but not more valuable than the player that you're trying to help with them. And they're valuable as long as we don't expect too much of them. And we don't expect data and analytics to do things that it's not capable of doing. And I believe we are dealing with a serious problem in baseball today because we are expecting too much. We do think it's capable of doing things that it cannot do. All of this, all of this information we now have available has the potential of making the game better. But only if it operates within the bigger picture of reality. The reality that it's human beings who make up this game. That these human beings are made in the image of God. That all the information in the world, as good as it may be, is not enough. These human beings have a body and soul, mind and heart. And most significantly of all, we need to recognize that every square inch of baseball, Christ, who is sovereign over all, says, mine. I've spent a lot of time dealing with the well-known opening line of fairy tales. J.R.R. Tolkien, who knows a thing or two about stories, taught about the ending of fairy tales as well. And Tolkien believed that for a story to be rightly labeled a fairy tale, it must conclude with what he called a eucatastrophe, a joyful ending after a seemingly hopeless situation. Now, we know the end of the story regarding history. King Jesus comes again to judge the living and the dead. Those united to him by faith, those who have longed for his second coming, will hear these words. Come, you who are blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. But those who never repented of their sins and have never believed on the Lord Jesus Christ will be told... Depart from me, accursed ones, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. That is indeed eucatastrophe. 
But what we don't have any certainty about is the end of the story regarding the great and grand game of baseball, or the industry known as Major League Baseball. Will it read like a fairy tale, or will it sound like a baseball broadcaster's famous call? Will it be, and they lived happily ever after, or kiss it goodbye? But that's a conversation for another day. Join us next time for In the Bullpen on the Fight Laugh Feast Network. Thank you for listening.